All right, friends, what is up and how are you doing? How are you embracing this winter? Are you training inside, training outside, swifting? But I bet you, no matter where you are, you're really looking forward to the spring. So here's a recap of what's been going on. Now, this week is so amazing. I'm finally hitting my 200th episode. I cannot even believe it. And I want to thank you guys being for being such amazing, loyal listeners and just engaging and loving the episodes. Um, I look forward to bringing so many really cool people for the rest of the year. Now, this Friday... We are begin- I'm going to be doing a giveaway, like I mentioned, from I'm going to be choosing winners from all the reviews placed this year. So if you haven't made your review, please stop and go to Apple Podcasts and put your review in there. If you already have, thank you so much. I really love reading your feedback. So on Friday, put this in your calendar, I'm going live th- four times, 8.30, 12 3 and 6 p.m. Eastern, and I'm going to be going in and picking winners from those reviews. And uh, so we have some Amazon gift cards and some other prizes, and I just super, super excited to give away and thank you guys for being such amazing humans and listeners and sharing the podcast. And um, you know what? I just love doing this for you. So take care and Rock your day and enjoy the episode coming up. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daewoo, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Daou, sitting here in beautiful, cold Chelsea, Quebec, Canada. And we have Raish McBride, who is sitting in beautiful Vancouver, BC. So we got two of us on either end of Canada, which is kind of cool. I love talking to fellow Canadians. And so Raish is a full-time, racing as a full-time professional triathlete since 2011. Um, Three-time Ironman, 70.3 champion, two times ITU long distance world champion medalist and has numerous podiums and course records resulting across distances in the sport. Known as the Purple Tiger, maybe I should ask you about that nickname. Um, Raish is one of the strongest cyclists on the uh, the circuit and is now taking on the world of gravel racing. So everybody's migrating to gravel yeah it's like something new and fun this year uh she has been invited to race in the inaugural lifetime grand prix gravel race series which i saw that and race welcome to the podcast i can't wait to dive into all this information great yeah i'm happy to be here um just a bit of a correction i do use they them pronouns they, um, okay yeah all right um my apologies them okay all right um my first question is always how did you get into cycling which led into triathlons uh well I you know I have always been a bike commuter so before Mm -hmm. I was an athlete I commuted on my bike you know being a poor student not having a car and I went to, did my undergrad in Guelph where it's like pretty bike friendly. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, when I, yeah, was just, I remember at some point I was actually commuting from Toronto to Guelph to go to university on the Greyhound every morning. And so this is like an, you know, what is it like a 90 minute Greyhound ride uh, every yeah. morning. 
Um, and I had to get up quite early. I think the bus left at like 5.45 in the morning. So I remember, you know, I would set my alarm with just enough time to like, you know, hammer my little Rocky Mountain hybrid <laughs> bike to, uh, to the bus station. And, you know, I, I remember waking up in like the middle of winter and all of a sudden there is you know six inches of snow on the ground and I'm like well I've got no other way to get to the bus stop bus station so <clears throat> you know so that included like totally bailing in the middle of like major intersections while like <laughs> frantically you know running red lights to get to the bus station anyway um so it was that it was just a mode of transportation for me. I never, ever, ever thought about it being like something I would do as like fun or recreation or anything like that until I started running. Um, and one of my mentors when I was running was from the world of triathlon and had been an elite triathlete and it was like you know, she put this idea in my head that I could be an elite mm -hmm. triathlete. And I just like grabbed onto that and was like, yep, I'm going to be an elite triathlete because I like swam as a kid. And I'd obviously uh -huh. like was running, you know, training for marathons at the time and um, had joined her on a couple of um, couple of rides in Gatineau Park, as we were talking about before, yeah. this, <laughs> before we started. And, uh, and I was on like an old steel road bike uh, and, you know, I think she just noticed in me a talent and I just took it and, and literally ran with it and got really into triathlon right off the bat, like fell in love with the sport, but got really burnt out within two years. And also mm -hmm. during that time got injured with, from running. So I couldn't run but I could still ride my bike. And so my coach at the time was like, Hey, there's, you know, why don't you join some of the local bike races? And one of the first major competitions I entered in, I ended up winning one of the stages. It was a three-day stage race and which was a really big deal. And I had no idea, but I was, where like, was this? This was the, it was called the tour of white rock. Um, it's part okay. of super week out here. Oh, okay. Um, BC. Right. Out in okay. BC, yeah, and uh, it it started off with the hill climb, and I ended up winning <laughs> the hill climb, uh, and and so I was like, oh, I guess I have a bit of a talent in this, and just like it, that really like being run injured got me like had made me realize how much I loved cycling and how right. that I had a bit of a talent, and so I ended up you know after when I initially became a full-time athlete and started racing long distance triathlon so like half Ironman and Ironman right. I um I excelled on the bike so I was one you know I usually had sort of the you know often had fastest bike split or was first off the bike and mm -hmm. um so just you know got into cycling that way and then training for a long distance I have been actually racing gravel I did my first gravel race in 2013 um oh, before wow. it exploded so mm -hmm. I've had a love of gravel racing for a really long time yeah can I go back to the burnout you mentioned the burnout how did that happen was this just like constant training racing and so I had um I had never been like I was in my late 20s I was 28 when I did my first triathlon Mm -hmm. And I had never really been an athlete throughout my adult life. Mm -hmm. I had quit all sports at age 15. And so, and, and so I didn't have, and I was a person who just like, I filled my time, like every minute of the day, I had to be doing something or oh, else I felt okay. unproductive. And so right. I was like working full time, trying to maintain a marriage and training like two workouts a day you know, up at 4.30 every morning in the pool oh, yeah. by 5.30, work an eight-hour day, do another workout, try and get some sleep, eat as much as I can, and wake up in the morning and do it all over again. And literally, like, if anything went awry in my schedule, like, any extra thing I had to do, like, it was, it felt like a total chaos because I was like, how am I going to do this? I have no time. Um, 
Right. And, and so like within, like literally within two years, I was like, I'm tired of hurting. I'm tired of being like so tired all the time. I need to figure something else out. So what did you do at that time? Did you quit something? Like, did, did you kind of like, yeah, I quit triathlon. Um, and I actually went back to school, uh, did another master's and during that time was like, uh, you know, cause at that time triathlon was just an expensive hobby and I'm like, I'm not gonna, I can't do this for a living. I need to find, I wasn't happy with my career at the time. And so I was like, I need to do something I'm more excited about. And while I was in grad school, I just was bike racing. So I joined a local team uh, and raced bikes for those two years, two seasons. Mm-hmm. And when I got out of that program, uh, I was super burned out again, just, it was an intense program. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to take the summer off and like, not, not look for work, like put a little bit of a hold on fine, like starting my career. And, uh, my coach, my cycling coach was like, you should try this like long distance triathlon thing. Cause I'd only done sprint and Olympic distance triathlon. So mm-hmm. I did my first half Ironman and like won it by 24 minutes and put myself on wow. a time that would have put me like top 10 at the world championships. So I was like, you know, I'm not getting any younger. I was, I was 32 then at the time mm-hmm. and was like, if I'm ever going to do this, I need to do it now. And let's go for it. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love those stories. Like, yeah, I just went out and I won it. And then I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of the story about Marianne Kligne. Have you no. come across her name? I'll, I'll send you the, the podcast, but it's the same deal. Like she's just bike to work and she's just like super fast and all she wanted to do is go really fast from home to work and then yeah. somebody put her on a course and she was just like trying to keep stay in front of everybody so they wouldn't catch her she had no clue yeah <laughs> it's like and then she, yeah and it the, the story is so funny but it, it just it. reminded me of of her, um the story she was telling me so <laughs> but I mean look at you so now you have such a love for cycling, but right now you're pers- so are you pursuing triathlon or gravel? Like, because they're both very different. Like you got the three sport and you got the single sport and demanding for like, how are you going to, how's that going? How's that going to go? Yeah, no, or that's how's a that great going? Question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have, um, so I have been a professional full-time triathlete for the past 10 years. And um, so, you know, I started out my career in 70.3 and then I latter half of my career, I've been racing mostly iron distance triathlon and um, all the while have had this like little, uh, you know, um, this, this like little devil saying you need to (laughs) you need to like explore this gravel world a little bit more Mm -hmm. um because I had just done sort of gravel like local gravel races in the pacific Mm -hmm. northwest and hadn't done any of the the majors so um so last year was the first year that I tried to fit some of this into my schedule and raced big sugar at the end of the year uh and got connected with the lifetime event series okay and it just kind of um, this year is sort of a bit of an experiment. Uh-huh. So when I applied um, and accepted the invite to the Lifetime Grand Prix series, I kind of hadn't wrapped my head around like just how much <laughs> racing it was. <laughs> now, I was. Yeah, you have to tell us how I'm much like, it is. <laughs> so it is uh, six races throughout the the year starting in March and ending in October sorry starting in April and ending in October and um their races are all in the U.S. and they include things like Unbound which is one of the like biggest gravel races in the world as well Uh as the Leadville 100 which is no way the most incredible mountain bike races in the world so it's like I am 
seriously jumping in to leap in I didn't this gravel racing. <laughs> that is cool. That's yeah. unbelievable. Okay. <laughs> However, I still have. Um, so I um, qualified for the Ironman World Championships in St. George this year in May, and so it's basically like every month now between March and October. I have either a triathlon or a bike race that I am competing in. <clears throat> um, and I kind of feel like, you know, obviously like with triathlon, like training for St. George is my, um, is my main goal for early season. So I've got St. Mm -hmm. George and then basically a month later is unbound. So those two races are sort of like, a bit of a peak um, in yeah. the early season, May, June. Right. And so that's my main focus. And, you know, honestly, like training for Ironman, you know, you're like, it's a nine hour, nine to 10 hour race that we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, just like having the aerobic capacity is already there right. in terms of the training that I'm doing for these bike races. And a lot of the bike races are somewhere between the like five to seven hour range mm -hmm. which is like you know usually for Ironman training I'm training I'm training to time trial 180 kilometers and yeah. a lot of these bike spike races are 100k so um you know I feel pretty prepared endurance wise mm -hmm. um the biggest thing is going to be um I've never raced a mountain bike before <laughs> I just got a mountain bike and I will be competing like in the series, we have like Olympic level mountain bike racers um, and Olympic uh, like not international level road racers. So um, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting experience. I feel a little bit in over my head in the mountain biking world because I, you know, we have incredible trails here, mm -hmm. um, but it's not really cross country riding, which is like mostly what these races will be. So, you know what, I, I love adventure. I have a lot of great support. I have mm -hmm. an incredible bike sponsor, Diamondback, who is like, has the equipment that I need to compete mm -hmm. and that's their specialty. So I feel pretty confident um, that I'm going to be okay. And I have so many mountain biker friends that I'm going to like texting everybody, like, you need to take me out for a ride and teach me how to ride this bike. <laughs> You need to survive the mountain bike. I've heard Leadville is ridiculous, like, yeah, like technical. Um, and I'm not to scare you, but I'm going to connect you with my friend, Bike Bennett. Okay. It's actually Mike, but it's yeah. <laughs> it Mike. my Bike Bennett. And it. he's done it like five times. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And he's, um, yeah, yeah. I, he's, he's a really, really cool guy mountain biker um i'm going to connect you to because he can give you a lot of tips oh um, thank you and thank probably you. can just run you through the whole course by memory but yeah. um but i have a question now and this goes to sponsorship because you're you're a full-time and do you mind if i ask you some like personal sponsorship questions yeah absolutely i'll answer okay. whatever i can <laughs> yeah you just say I cannot respond to that. Um, so as a professional full-time athlete, you have sponsors who are like paying you to train and race. Correct. How does that work when you're kind of, and I assume that they're specifically for triathlon. Yeah, there's definitely How been a shift. Work? Yeah, there's yeah. been a shift recently. You know, I have some like tri like triathlon specific or sports specific sponsors in like swim and bike, you know, like okay. 70 wetsuits and topo shoes. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have uh, sponsors like in the bike realm, there's a significant crossover and we've, we've seen gravel racing um, exploding. Mm -hmm. obviously in the past couple of years and yeah. um as someone who has already been gravel racing like it was kind of a no-brainer that things were going to start to shift in that direction and so right. when contracts have come up for renewal you know my sponsors have been really actively like we want to add in you know <laughs> assets for gravel and like yeah. you know I, I have it's you know I have the 100% go ahead 
to mm-hmm. be <clears throat> to be pursuing this and you know they're actually super excited you know Diamondback and Head are just like over the moon that I am in this You're like interested so in I'm it like, yeah <clears throat> oh my god so are you so still working for okay yeah, yeah well, that's why I was kind of wondering but are you still working full-time because you're oh no so that okay that's if you don't mind me like how does that work to keep you your like an income coming in like this yeah. is like the question you don't have to give numbers but like how does it work so that you can your standard of living is still high that you can survive because I've only ever heard like I mean, female cyclists in the cycling world as professionals have never oh. made a lot, in, yeah. you know. So yeah. how do you do it? Like yeah. keeping your standard, being able to pay, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. So um, all, all along I have had, a, like I have a casual job at uh, a nonprofit here in okay. Vancouver doing um, uh, like sexual health education. But that really is um, just a small fraction of my income. It kind of pays for, you know, like food for the year, I would say. And so, so it's like, um, you know, it's kind of like, I feel like that gives me a little bit of a boost. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, over the past 10 years, I have done a lot of hard work uh, to, to like go from, you know, you sort of start out where you're, I had a local bike shop that sponsored me that really helped me get off the ground um, Mm -hmm. in terms of covering equipment costs and things like that. And I, um, uh, you know, started off with a little bit of savings in order to get Mm -hmm. me to travel um, places. And I have, um, you know, I've really tried to keep my living costs down to a minimum. So, yeah. you know, I haven't lived in like big fancy places. Uh, you know, I've tried to keep that kind of overhead um, cost, those overhead costs down as well as um, I really pay attention to where I travel. So not only do I like not mm-hmm. want to be, you know, damaging the environment by flying around the world multiple times a year um, is just really expensive to be going all over the place so a lot of the Mm -hmm. racing that I have done is is within North America um, and or like that's where generally the focus is and um, uh, and otherwise you know just try and make it by with like having homestays at races and Sometimes we'll races will give you appearance fees and that sort of thing to show up. But it's right. kind of over the years, I've really developed this like relationships and I've had a lot of long-term relationships with sponsors and had a lot of success and now have a platform in terms of like, I'm the first out non-binary professional triathlete. And so there is a lot of support around the advocacy work that I do okay. there. Um and so it's really taken a decade to build up uh, okay. that level of support that I'm able mm-hmm. to like actually support myself. So, you know, we're not making the big bucks. We're not like saving <laughs> money. <laughs> I know that's, I, I just had to ask cause I've, I casually try cause it's, it's like one of those sensitive uh, topics, you know, cause I'm like, you see the pros and what they are. Then you talk to the women and like, even like some of the ladies that I've talked to in Europe, you know, they all have, like, they just barely get by to yeah, be out I there think, racing pro, you know what yeah. I mean? Like in the world of bike racing is terrible because mm-hmm. from be, because there's that history of um, sexism in the sport and inequality, yeah. there is a real discrepancy uh, between the the prize money, the yeah. racing, the racing opportunities, and um, the media coverage. And with triathlon, there's still an inequity in terms of coverage. However, right. their um, prize money has always been equal. Um, oh, that's good. And because the sport is is a lot younger, you know, I think mm-hmm. the sport started around 40 years ago, and so there's always been uh, that level of um 
equality in terms of prize money. Yeah, I've always thought that try, sorry, my husband is just leaving to go get the kids and go skiing. Um, I've always felt that triathlon always honored like both categories really equally. It always seemed that way anyways, when, um, you know, when you see races and you just hear it in the media over, over road cycling racing, like, you know, and uh, that's kind of good. Now, do you, have you won a lot of purse money, like race money in your, in your time of racing? Yeah. Depending on the year. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's good. Year, I mean, not like, so much 2020, yeah. not so much. Cause there just wasn't any racing. Um, I know. but yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing too, with the gravel world is that like before the lifetime series, you know, the lifetime series, the series has a prize, a, a prize purse for the overall series winners. Right. Um, however, in individual races, there hasn't been there isn't anything. any prize money. Whereas in triathlon, you know, as professionals, you know, you could win up like world championships, you're winning a hundred, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars for the win. Wow. Um, Or like winning an Ironman, you're usually going to make, you know, most races, if I'm on the podium, I'm making at least a couple thousand dollars. Um, So, you know, you're, you're making like four or five figures with, um, with a win. Right. Whereas in gravel, like some races, I think like might have like 200 bucks that you would get if anything yeah I kind of feel that gravel gravel races are still events do you know what I mean like yeah they're not they're not like official races they're just like events like come out and and do this gravel race series I mean we have one here um and I've talked to the guys at coast to coast and Barry Roubaix and you know, I never even thought of asking, but it didn't seem to me that there was like, you know, there's winners. And if you win, you know, it's, it's a big thing, but they don't really mention like there's actually a winnings to, that goes along with it. Like you're just winning the title. And, yeah. um, yeah. yeah. And I think so, part of that has been, you know, that gravel really has this there's definitely a currently, I feel a debate as to like what, like, you know, gravel, the, 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 um, the, the spirit of gravel. Right. Yes. It's it's come from a place of grassroots where it has just been, you know, more Mm -hmm. like rides and like Mm -hmm. local grassroots competition. Um, and when you start to add money into these things, then Mm -hmm. that's where you start to get like some of the the downsides of right. of competition yeah. like mm-hmm. you add in the complication of like okay are we going to start drug testing um oh. and like you know the uh it gets a lot more competitive and you then you start to get folks who will start who will cheat in different ways mm-hmm. yeah you're right because i was uh, and also paying high level athletes to come race you know just as a yeah know, to show off your event I was like why would you do that I mean there's plenty of people here who will you know talk up your event and go and pay why would you yeah. pay someone yeah. to come and come to your event you know like who like yeah. the majority of us probably don't even know who that person is you know for for a sport that really tries to um promote inclusivity and diversity yeah. and fairness and equity that's when you start to get things being inequitable when you have folks who are like being paid to show up and have yeah. this advantage you know so um yeah I think there are like you know two sides to the to the argument like it's really mm-hmm. going to bring the sport to a next level and especially the level of competition as a non-binary racer mm-hmm. and a lot of races are now having non-binary categories mm-hmm. like I want to see elite non-binary fields happening and right. right now I am the only non-binary racer who is racing at this level that I know of right. in North right. America um, and so you know, I want to have competition. I want to have other folks out there racing with me. 
And hopefully, you know, this increase in exposure is going to help more people get into the sport because it really is an incredible sport. Yeah. I think, can you, can you talk on that, Rach, Um, the non-binary categories and, and how it's starting to open things up? Because um, I know, uh, I think it was Rebecca Rush, um, Rebecca's uh, Private Idaho. I don't know if that's part of the series, but, no. she, but she had, and that's in Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard it's really hard as well. <laughs> yeah, was, it sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. I mean, yeah. like Rebecca Rush used to be a huge adventure racer um, yeah. and then turned pro mountain biker cyclist anyways and And she's um, still doing epic incredible mm -hmm. things like human feats like I think she won Leadville a couple times you know um but um she has a non-binary category in her event yeah can you talk about that because I'm I would love to get more educated myself yeah um yeah Yeah, it's definitely, I think gravel racing has been one of the, um, you know, game changers in adding non-binary categories and welcoming Mm -hmm. non-binary athletes. Uh, As of, you know, for 2021, uh, Lifetime had non-binary categories at all of their races. Um, And a lot, I know a lot of other gravel races have, um, have also included that. There's also a local uh triathlon race organizer event organizer here in bc that i worked with in 2019 i guess now already to Mm -hmm. add a third category for their races for um as of 2020 and so it's definitely something that is really growing in terms of inclusion Mm -hmm. it's a really simple thing um for race organizers to do and it um yeah, it allows folks who identify outside of the gender binary to have a place to race or and compete um, in okay. these events. Yeah, because um, it would be transparent there. I have a women's cycling club. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, and we have all types of women, ages, sizes, you know, um, sexual orientation. Um, and it's come to us and not because we've never excluded anybody um, that this is something that we should look at. Um, so can you just explain like what that is for somebody who's just like, I don't, I, I'm just being really open. Yeah. Like what, <laughs> Maybe not, what, just like, what being non-binary is or yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I just like, I, I, um, yeah, I feel like I just don't know. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, um, so gender non-binary is basically, as I mentioned, like someone who doesn't identify within the gender binary. So that would be like man or woman. Um, it's someone who, uh, yeah, identifies like somewhere along the spectrum. Some folks identify as uh, it's under the umbrella of trans folks. Okay. Um, some non-binary people identify as trans, some don't. Um, it is, uh, yeah, it is a gender identity that is, that is outside of, of that binary. And some people will choose to use different pronouns. So mm-hmm. I use they, them pronouns. Some people will use uh you know a collection of pronouns and it's it's I guess it's really that simple okay because for me I feel like it's very complicated and I almost am afraid to you know what I mean like I I just feel very ignorant I guess yeah I don't want to be because um especially with our club like I've never felt like I've never judged anybody anybody you know can come in feel comfortable um, and this is just something very new on the horizon that's, yeah. that's coming into play with, with regards to, you know, clubs and events like you're experiencing and, um, and just the ed- education behind it. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're, I mean, that's a common refrain of like, I feel too scared to ask. I don't want to make a mistake. Like, yeah. 
I feel really ignorant and I don't know where to start. And I think just, you know, truly coming to coming to it with a place of curiosity. And there are a mm-hmm. lot of resources out there. Um, you know, uh, transathlete.com is oh, a website okay. that provides a lot of information about like trans athletes and non-binary athletes. Um, there's a lot of more, um, yeah, there are a lot of folks who are being, becoming more out as non-binary athletes. Mm-hmm. You can find them on Instagram yeah. um, or social media and, uh, you know, it's, I think just, yeah, coming to it from a place of curiosity. Mm. And I think one of the biggest things is like starting to look at where, where, you know, the biggest thing is like making assumptions about people's gender before they tell you, or um, uh, just thinking about like how you use gendered language in your, in just commonplace or where you see it show up. So like, for example, um, you know, one of the biggest things that I think people outside of the gender binary talk about are gendered spaces like change rooms and washrooms. And so it's like when you see a washroom that is like a single stall washroom and it has like, you know, those typical pictures of like a man and a woman, Mm -hmm. it's like if you know, that's not really an accurate representation of, it's still like in within that binary context. It's like, it, you either fit into one of these two categories. And so right. like, this is your washroom if you're in this category and this is your washroom if you are in this category. But what if mm-hmm. you don't fit into either of those categories? Like what washroom or change room are you going to use? Mm-hmm. And especially my biggest pet peeve is like gendered single stall washrooms. Um, You mean that have both? No, that like, it's like, you know, you have like one room that is for, that has one toilet for like, that has a picture of a man on it. And you have another one that's one toilet that has a picture of a woman on it. And it's like, who cares what your genitals look like or what your identity (laughs) is? yeah going into the space right um like and so it's just different things like that of um I think just being aware of like how gender fits into the world and what assumptions you make so often Mm -hmm. I will find myself like if I see someone on the street uh I the first urge is to like put a label on them that's either he or she Mm -hmm. whereas I don't really know that. I don't know how they identify. And so my goal is to, you know, use, use they, them pronouns until I know that they, you know, through conversation. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if it's a stranger, it's like, who am I to say if that's a he or a she, Mm -hmm. um, and, or they, them or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, And I think in terms of group activities, like if you want your, there's a level of education that you can even just like start the conversation of like, hey, we may have like non-binary folks or trans women who might want to join our group. Like, is this Mm -hmm. something? uh, And just like having, you know, like either in your communication, if those folks are welcome in your group, like having that communication okay. in your in your on your websites and things like that. Right. Like, like, you know, this is a women women cycling club, but we're also open to like non-binary folks and people who identify outside the binary. Um, right. Trans women are welcome, and to just like be able to have that. Um, yeah, to, to just, like, be out there as, like, welcoming also to those okay. community members. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. yeah, that was, uh, that was, about. yeah, because that was brought up, and it's, you know, like, as a club owner or founder, you know, we're always trying to do things that are 
uh, good for the members or ask the you know something that the members ask for uh, within reason and um, this was something that that was just brought to us and we're just like oh okay like we never thought about that or it wasn't like on the agenda or you know like um, nobody else mentioned it and then it's you know it's kind of like hey what about this I'm like oh I don't know what about that let's talk about it <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah I don't know <laughs> um let's learn more about it so that's why I kind of I'm I'm asking you because like I, I asked somebody else and she got I'm sorry they she, she well the person got offended like like I insulted the person I was like I don't and that's that makes me feel really like uncomfortable when the whole thing comes up because I'm just I'm curious until I know yeah. more you know until yeah. I really know what I'm talking about and yeah. and I just felt really bad because I was like I, I didn't mean to do that like I would never do that um and anyways it was just really uncomfortable and so yeah. and and that just and, and uh yeah Anyways, it's made me uncomfortable, but you seem yeah. like I can really ask you about that because I mean, you're, you're working in it, right? Like it's, you said yeah, that, uh, I, I, I work for a nonprofit that is like open to all gen, all ages, all genders. Yeah. And yeah, we, we actively are, um, trying to be inclusive in mm -hmm. our clinics and in the way that we communicate sexual health information. Um, yeah, it's something that for sure I have been involved in and communicating about for a long time, even before I even came out as right. non-binary. Right. Well, maybe I'll have to ask you to help me with some wording because like, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody and our, our club is very open and, and yeah. we just want to ride bikes, right? Like we just want to, yeah, have yeah. Fun, yeah, you know, totally. and that's, yeah. that's just what it's about. So thank you for that yeah Rach. and I think I just want to say like if you know if you come if you're like really authentic and come to a place of it in terms of learning mm -hmm. and if you if a person makes a mistake then like apologizing without any buts and just being like thank you yeah. I'm like I really appreciate this I wasn't intention to harm mm -hmm. I'm we're really learning about this and I yeah. appreciate the feedback and you know, I feel like in some cases, if if someone's going to like not be able to engage in that conversation in in like a more grounded manner and be able to yeah like it it's it's then then like it can be really challenging to have conversations with folks like that. And I try and have a lot of compassion for yeah. folks who are trying to learn and uh -huh. who are really open. Like I'm really grateful for people who ask me questions about this and yeah. um, who are willing to, who really want to learn and are coming mm -hmm. from, at it from a place of curiosity. Um, and I think it can be challenging because there's always, some folks have really different experiences in mm -hmm. going through their day-to-day -day lives and in their world and with their gender. And it can be, right. it can be really hard when you're mm -hmm. misgendered all the time uh, or, you know, have to, it takes a lot of energy to, especially in a, such a binary world of sport to be mm -hmm. outside the binary and to be constantly like correcting people or educating people or having those conversations. And so, you know, sometimes people I think can just like, just be really tired and really burnt out from oh. just moving through the world as right. well. You yeah, know, there's there's like so many. We never know where people are coming from, mm -hmm. um, and I think that just maintaining a level of like kindness and compassion um, and humility in these kinds of yeah. experiences is really can can go a really long way. Yeah, I I totally agree with you, and um, I think yeah, being compassionate about somebody who would who's just generally like careers and not you know not not feel making them feel bad because then we just won't ask anymore right and then we're just yeah. like totally afraid yeah. all the time but I'm yeah I really appreciate this conversation because when you when you said that when I saw I saw that I was like <gasps> I like honestly that's how I felt I'm like yeah oh my god it's gonna be yeah 
another same conversation like I had that first time you know and that's what I that's what I was going through I was going yeah. through that in my head and I, I was I was having a hard time relax relaxing yeah. to yeah. talk to you so so thank you <laughs> now I feel better I'm glad we cleared the air <laughs> yay no but seriously like it's it is I, I don't like feeling uncomfortable about around mm -hmm. things and like you know, tiptoeing and like it's on eggshells and then it's just, you know, um, but it, it's something that's new on the horizon. It's, it's coming more in the forefront of, of everything in sport and things like that. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's, it's an important thing for all of us to, um, who are curious to learn more about that. So you said transathlete.com is a great place mm -hmm. to go for resources. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. That's great because um, I'd hate to, you know, go searching and find something that I don't, <laughs> that I shouldn't, that's not right, yeah, right? Because no, I, I just want to yeah. understand um, myself. And um, so I appreciate that. So you were saying, and that we're just going to finish off. Well, not, we're going to finish off this, but I was just like I was mentioning, I was on your Facebook page. And uh, you were going through a little bit of hardships because you went through some um, current dental um, surgery, and we we're yeah. and I was just mentioning to you that I just did a little episode on meditation. You're mentioning that meditating is is helping you getting through the fact that you can't do any training for two weeks. <laughs> I know, isn't this a great place to like find yourself, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So what have you been, like you said, you had um, some dental surgery. So let's just chat a little bit about mental health, meditating, um, and the athlete, because we yeah. all know that as athletes, you just go through a lot of like a training, racing, like the stresses that come along with, with, um, with being that type of pro. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that my, my relationship with like meditation and really and mindfulness really shifted in the past couple of years, uh, through the pandemic, you know, we all had this mm -hmm. time, this level of downtime <laughs> and a lot of mental health stuff came up for a bunch of us. And I think, you know, what happened for me is I, I realized I had ADHD, which was a big deal. Oh and was recognizing that like I one way that I can help myself focus um I mean the biggest thing is like that they say for ADHD is exercise and I'm like well I've made that my career so that's you know I won it's like done. oh <laughs> I wonder like how much this like played into making uh athletics a career for myself because it's the one of the only times in the day that I actually feel really focused and grounded um right. and uh and the other thing that it can be really helpful is that meditation and mindfulness mm. and so now especially in these two weeks when I've had dental surgery haven't been able to train like literally nothing I can't get my heart rate up um, for seven to 14 days that it's given me the space to, um, to really put that in more into practice. Cause it's really hard to it is. <laughs> find, you know, I've, I've like, I would say for a decade, I've wanted to have a regular meditation practice and mm -hmm. it's really hard to actually find that time. Um, yeah. if you, you know, it takes a strong conscious effort to create a new habit like that. Yeah, And I have just recognized that it's, um, you know, it's not, I, I just, I know, you know, I know now it takes like that conscious effort and you have mm -hmm. to schedule it in. And I'm trying to now like have a more of a routine in mm -hmm. my life where I'm able to, okay, this is like my morning schedule, which in, involves like, as soon as I get up, I will, I have my Headspace app. I do oh. a 10 minute edu um, meditation mm -hmm. and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need to, it, I still feel like I'm a terrible meditator. Um, <laughs> I, I just know? went through this conversation with my girlfriend. Cause she's like, 
yoga, meditating, but she's like me. She's like an athlete and big mountain biker. And she's like, I'm like, how do you, how did you like get into yoga (laughs) of all things? And then like understand meditating. So she was just saying like, and I had like you, I was like, what is, uh, for me, it was like, what is meditating? Like, am I doing it right? Do it's like, but I just get five minutes a day. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think even if you just like sit down Mm -hmm. and take like five or 10 deep breaths and just really try and like focus on your breath and focus on how you feel in your body, that even is enough to just start that sort of mindfulness and like just a little short amount of checking in with yourself and being in Mm -hmm. your body. Um, because I do, I have felt all my life, like I am just like running around like a chicken with my head cut off, (laughs) like just doing all the things and being, you know, it's like, I have 17 TV screens on at the same time. And I'm like (laughs) all over the place. And, you know, that's just, this is why I've had so much injury in my career is that I didn't know how to like sit down and not do anything. Recovery for me was like, I'm being lazy. I'm being unproductive. Um, I have to fill every minute of my day up with something. And so recognizing like, and I think it's also about having the self-compassion and the self-worth to recognize, like, it's okay for me to stop for a moment and take Mm -hmm. a couple of minutes for me. Um, And recognizing like there is a physiological response in our body that Mm -hmm. helps us like if we take that time to just like sit quietly for a couple of minutes we're going to be able to be more um you know more able to handle stress on a Mm day-to-day basis like which means like better ability to communicate with like partners and spouses and children like be better parents you know I think there's a huge um there's a huge benefit to just taking those couple of minutes a day. Yeah, for sure. And that's some of the things that I said in my, in my coaching segment. Yeah. Communication. Yeah. And I really think that like, I say I'm a terrible meditator because, you know, in the headspace app, it's like, you know, you have spent like so much time, like focusing on your breath and things like that. And then Uh there's a moment where they're like, and just let your brain go free. And I'm like, my brain has been all over the place for like the whole meditation. I don't, I don't when I'm already to, there. I know, I know. Groceries. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I continue to be like, you know what, I'm probably a terrible meditator, but this, I, this must be helping me in some way. And yes. maybe if I can just like have, you know, each day just have like a couple more breaths that are uh, or a couple more seconds or like a minute more that mm-hmm. I'm actually just in myself and not like all over the place. And yeah, that's going to be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine it would be <laughs> that's why I'm like, yeah, I just need, I need to do it like first thing in the morning or else it's, it's gone. Yeah. I yeah. tried to do that yesterday. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it then. And then I'll do it then. And then by the time it was like 10 o'clock at night, I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. I'm not going to do that again. Cause I know me. It's just like you, it's just like, I can't sit still. There's like a hundred things I can start implementing and then go back and like, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think also like, uh, there are different ways to meditate too. You don't need to sit down and do it. You can do like a walking meditation. Mm -hmm. I, um, at some point was doing a daily walking meditation and it was, it was really great. I would just like, you know, it would be like when I was running errands or something like Mm -hmm. that, you know, use it in the time that I had. It's like, if you walk to work, then you could spend five minutes of that walk, uh, you know, in, in a walking meditation and just grounding Mm -hmm. yourself a little bit. I was going to suggest you can set up a puzzle. You know, you just sit there, sit down for 10 minutes, go away, come back, (laughs) a couple more pieces. (laughs) (laughs) sometimes that works I mean I don't know why we only do it at Christmas for some reason (laughs) oh I know yeah my family too yeah yeah what's the puzzle this year and then you know it's just like that talking that spots like the the water cooler everybody comes in 
heads yeah. down. You don't even yeah. need to look at each other, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. get all sorts of great conversations and you don't have to sit there like, so uh, it's like being sitting on the couch and being interrogated, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. Puzzles are great. Anyways, um, I've had like a great time. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, do you want to leave some imparting um, words of wisdom to our, our audience? Like we've talked a lot about a lot of things. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to hook you up with my friend. Um, yeah, please. And uh, <laughs> from, from what he told me about it, you'll need his advice. <laughs> no, I'm not scaring you, but I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, cause yes. Anyway, yes. but I need you know, all like, the advice I can get. Yeah. I said, get there a week early. Okay. And ride the course. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's at elevation. Like it's high, yeah. like it's in, yeah. uh, in Colorado. So you want to be, you, you want to yeah. get the, that's one thing. Yeah. The, uh, the Definitely. elevation, you don't want to yeah, show think up. It's, and it's just, like uh, an average of 10,000 feet. So yeah, yeah. It's a big but, deal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing, but, uh, yeah. anyways, so what kind of words oh. of wisdom are you going to depart on us? <laughs> let's meditate everybody uh, <laughs> <laughs> um i mean oh uh, this is probably for another time i was gonna like, <laughs> i was gonna get into a whole other conversation what are you doing in the next five years no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i really you know i think um yeah I think since we're we're talking about cycling, um, mm -hmm. I you know I know that some folks might find gravel racing really intimidating, or gra you know riding gravel really intimidating. And first of all, I want to say like if anyone has any questions or whatever, please feel free to reach out to me. I am so happy to um, use the knowledge that I have gained in the past decade uh, to impart on other folks and um you know to that that really in all of these sports you don't you don't need to have all the specific equipment or like mm -hmm. the specific bikes and everything like I started riding gravel on a road bike with 28 millimeter tires mm -hmm. you know it like you don't need all of the fancy stuff to really get out there and explore and try something new um and it is an incredibly welcoming community mm -hmm. you usually get a free beer at the finish line um, <laughs> love it yeah <laughs> sign me up <laughs> all about um, the beer <laughs> and it's and because you are out you know if we talk about uh moving meditation you're out usually in these incredible beautiful places mm -hmm. off the off the beaten path very little traffic so you don't have to worry about, you know, the cars coming up from behind you and whizzing by. Um, it's a really incredible experience just in terms of like, even just exploring your own backyard in a different way. And so yeah. I really encourage folks to try it. And we definitely need more women and non-binary folks out on the courses um, because there is definitely a paucity of of different genders there so come out <laughs> and and just by the way if you are non-binary or women you definitely always get in <laughs> you don't have to worry about <laughs> they will give you entry straight away mm -hmm. <laughs> because they're looking to fill yeah. those spots yeah. with more yeah. more uh women and bi non-binary for sure yeah because I've, yeah. I've been told that and i'm like cool so i don't <laughs> I have to worry about not getting in. I'd be like, Hey, yeah. Like to come participate. So it's been amazing. Actually, I could just like sit here and chat with you for a lot longer, but I know that you're probably busy and, uh, we've, we've covered so much ground. I want to thank you so much. And I hope our listeners have enjoyed, um, this conversation, um, as much as I have. And, um, I really appreciate you and don't forget to follow rash Arash, sorry on Instagram and Facebook, and she's got a website and the podcast, um, uh, Secrets from the Saddle podcast. And actually, Raish is Raish, Rachel, 
that's why I like Rachel and then everything else is coming in as Rach. Which one do you prefer? <laughs> Rach. Rach is great. Rach. Okay. Rach. Yeah. So it's, but it's Rachel MCB on Instagram. That's where you can find her. And then Secrets from the yeah. South podcast and then myself, Sylvie Dabu. So with that, have an amazing day. Thank you so much again. Um, just thank you. Thank you for being you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Great Thanks. to chat, Sylvie. You're welcome. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.